0: So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn it to John 17. John 17 breaks out in three little sections. We're in the section where Jesus is actually praying for us now, the church. So here's what he says, starting in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me, The glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these that you have sent me, I've made them. I've made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known to them. The love that with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. You know, guys, when I when I first read this, there was a couple of things that were so emphatic. I'm not certain I saw before, um, and it's it's almost a throwaway word. In you in you read it, in verse 21, he, his first request is that they may all be one, and, and what I've always hovered on was the oneness, like, okay, we're trying to get to be one, but I think I jumped over the all part, mm-hmm. and, and I, it's not like I, I was discounting that. It just, when you don't see it, you underappreciate what he was saying. Um, it's not that you can sit in your church in Gilbert, Arizona and go, hey, we found it, we've got oneness. When the church is broad and big and it's all over, and he's praying that, all of his children, all believers of every stripe and creed from all over the world would experience the oneness of that. And I, it, when, when I see that word all, there's a heavy conviction in my heart because I don't feel like we've ever accomplished that. Like there might be little moments where you go, hey, we're doing really good. We're getting along and we, we kind of love each other. And then suddenly you look around and there's someone outside the circle and, and they don't belong or they don't feel like you do or they, they don't sense the connection or the care. And I go. Wow, well then that's not at all living into the Mm -hmm. prayer that Jesus prayed and so I felt the kind of the inclusiveness of this prayer like uh, In Jesus mind he thinks through all of his children Like a father would Mm. like a father would look at his dinner table and go man. I hope we don't lose this I hope the sisters and the brothers they all talk and they relate for the rest of their lives That's how Jesus looks at the church like I hope they all they all are one. Like they don't lose that relationship. And I was tremendously convicted that I don't think, I don't think I've done that well. And, you know, this sounds judgmental, but I don't think the church universal does it that well. I don't think it's instinctive. Hence why there's 47,000 denominations in the world. You know, let's let's split and divide over secondary and, and third issues. And I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind um, when he talked about unity. And the other thing, and I'll, I'll shut up. The other thing that, Strikes me is the when he prays about unity. I'm convinced it's a different word than what we're working on Mm. And I I felt this and I think I said it to you this week that I feel like what the church has to do is repent of its definitions Mm. Because we take the idea of unity and say we've found our Number and our number is okay with each other We're our tribe and uh, and we're okay with each other. There's no tension hence unity And that's not at all what jesus is praying for he's talking about and and this will be where we kind of intersect this thought he's talking about a unity that cannot be separated from humility and love there isn't another kind so if love isn't driving you to experience the kind of unity that jesus declares that we are to have with each other then you don't have unity you've just embraced a different word same letters but a different definition like you have some pseudo version of getting together but you don't love each other so therefore you don't have unity so (laughs) that's what was burdening in me just like i should repent of what i say unity is because i'm okay with people not fighting when
1: when you said um the way a father would love his kid just right there the immediate image that came to my head was when Jesus is sitting, weeping over Jerusalem, saying, oh, how I long to gather you as a hen gathers its chicks, but you would not come. Right. And this passion that's in Jesus for people, for the world, but here, I love when you said, this is the Lord's prayer, because he's praying for all who have believed, do believe, and will believe, when you read um, specifically. So it transcends our tribe or yes. our local church. I've thought about this a lot, that one of the great false teachings when it comes to the body of Christ is for us to look at our one local church and say, it's the body of Christ because it's way more. But the passion that I see in Jesus that just strikes me and I think is such a significant part of this passage is in verse 21. He says that they may all, you said all, be one just as you father are in me and I am in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. And so he's speaking specifically a prayer to say, my prayer father is that you would work in all of your power to activate in them the experience of relationship we that have. we have, yes. mm. which means the uh, what he's saying is, I am praying that our nature, that our character, my glory may ultimately go on display in their oneness with us, and then he goes on to pray and their oneness with each other.
2: Yeah, I, there was something you said early on when you started. Of all the things that Jesus could have said in this moment, of all the things he could have prayed for, and if you just kind of look at like what's been happening, it's the it's the last supper. So he's got this kind of critical time where he can talk. And if you think as a father has like one last word to his kids, he can, can send them off or he knows that he's going to be leaving. What are the things that he would say? And he, he could have said, you know, make sure you all have the same doctrine. Make sure you all sing the same songs. Make sure you all use the same version of scripture. He says, make sure that you are all one. And in in John 13, I know I mentioned this last week, but after he washes their feet, he gives this really kind of interesting um, phrase in reality. He says, just as I've loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then, and then here in 17, he says in verse 23, um, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even, even as you love me. So there's this proof. And, and the proof is not necessarily in what we say, but the proof is in how we treat one another, how we love one another, how we die for one another. And the apostle Paul, he, he carries that forward too in, in Ephesians, where he says um, walking worthy of the manner of the gospel, meaning like the balanced scale of what you say about your life and what is really true about your life, is this, is this unity. Like the proof of it, how, how it makes sense of you saying that you are a follower of Jesus, is that you eagerly bear with one another in love.
1: Paul, what what, if, what passage is that in Ephesians?
2: Uh, Ephesians, um, it's Ephesians 4, verse 1 through one through 6. So if you're sitting at
1: home, I just want to say this, the, the parallel of, of looking John 17, comparing it to John 13, and then that passage in Ephesians 4 will just help us as we pull together what the scriptures are so apparently and clearly saying.
0: Well, I was just going to add a little bit to, to the subject of love. I mean, no one that I can think of would be sitting watching this video at home or in our church and say, love, that's a foreign concept Mm -hmm. for the church, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have like meat or teeth to it because it's kind of left to a feeling or whatever. And uh, it was Paul who is the theologian. So this goes back to some concern that maybe some would have, like you talk about this, like we can just jettison truth. Like, Like absolutes don't play a role in what makes us one. And it does like one Lord, One Savior, one Jesus, one cross, one resurrection, all of it. We confess all of that. And in that, Jesus says they will be one, and yet we still miss it. And then he says, but the only way to get to unity is love. And you go, what is love? It's a feeling. And they go, well, I I don't, you know, I'm okay with you. And it's more than that because the Apostle Paul, who is our doctrine king, right, in Romans, says it really clearly in, in chapter 12, verse 10. Love each other. I pray you love each other. And this is how he says it as with a brotherly love, with a brotherly love, which puts it in a relationship category. Like uh, I have four sons and so clearly when they were little, I had this dream that they would be friends and more than friends that they'd be together. You know, Not all of us have long tenured relationships with our siblings and it, it is different levels of experience, but I suppose because I didn't have the kind of relationships I wanted with my brothers and sisters, I longed for it in my sons. Like they will be, your best friends they they will be the people who understand you and your foibles and your weirdness and have room for you they'll be the ones that'll be there when you need them and I'm thinking well that's the way god through the apostle decided to defi- define the way we're supposed to love each other who are under one lord one savior one god who is jesus christ and that can, that should convict us like i don't sometimes i do it and What I'm inclined to do it is do it to people who are agreeable to me. Me, yeah. You know?
1: I think that's what, when you go back into John 17, and he he keeps using this word glory. Yeah. Um, So in verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one. Mm. So he's saying that the way in which we're going to be one is by receiving the glory that Jesus is going to have. And in the gospel of John and in the apostle Paul, glory is always spoken of in relation to the cross, which the picture like John picks up specifically of saying, take up your cross and follow me is that the path of love. So if you begin to go, is love just a feeling? In reality, love is self-sacrificial, it's self-dying love. The picture in John 13 of washing of feet when everybody's like, you can't wash, you can't wash my feet. It's this self-dying love. The way he picks up in Romans 14 that we looked last week is you'd be willing to die to your opinion. You'd be able to die to your preferences. You'd be willing to die to your comforts, even as we begin to talk about the racial tensions that we have ultimately, but that the glory is related to the shape of the cross, this dying and it's on dying on behalf of the glory of God, but on behalf of others, that we ultimately find our resurrection, this power that's in love specifically.
2: Yeah, as as Ty, as we've been kind of talking through this, either with staff or just with each other, and this pathway of humility, love leads to unity, you've brought up several times Jesus telling the story of the Good Samaritan. And there is a line in there that you've really kind of camped on where it says that the lawyer who's asking, who's my neighbor, is seeking to justify himself. And uh, I've kind of thought about that. Like, well, why, why is he seeking to justify himself? And it's because love is so expensive. Mm. It it bankrupts you so that you can add into the account of somebody else. And so when you're saying it's not just a feeling, there's an activity of love. Clearly, we see that in the person of Jesus, his whole, his whole life and death. But there there's an activity of love to where that's where we really start to Kind of hit
1: the brakes, and this just hit me when you were saying this. And Tim, I'm going to cue you up on this, but in then in our desire to justify ourselves, we justify division. Right.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. We pref- we prefer it. Mm. There's a there's a as long as we can try to take the high ground and decide the reasons why we're dividing are godlike reasons, mm. um, we'll divide over everything. And I don't think they are. I mean, you brought up the racial issue, and I've been thinking a lot about it this week with the story of Ahmed Arberry, mm-hmm. um, that that. Uh, It's another example of, I think, uh, an entire tribe of my brothers and sisters Mm. who feel deeply something I refuse to think about. And that is not the brotherly love that Jesus is talking about. And I felt like, well, how, I mean, if, if, if the only way to experience love is to walk exactly in the story of everyone hurting, you can't love anybody but yourself. Right? You're never going to love just like I, I'm only comfortable with me, my angst, my worries, my concerns. But if, but if I have a brother and I do, I have brothers that live in Chicago and live here now in Arizona and they have different stories and different positions and different perspectives. They don't, they don't live in Gilbert. We don't experience what we're here. They could call me tomorrow and tell me a story as they have, that's radically different than mine. But I could, I suppose I could say, I don't care because I'm not feeling it. It's not my story, but because he's my brother, mm-hmm. I yep. own it deeply, you know, and I care, I care deeply about that. So
1: can I ask you something yeah. and set both of you guys up on this? Because this is the thought of Jesus's prayer is very intentional. Yeah. The contrast of the intentional prayer for oneness and indifference. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm somewhat setting yeah. you both up because we've talked about it. But Tim, I know you talked about some of the things that grieve the heart of a father Oh, of yeah. being indifferent?
0: Well, you know, I wonder sometimes, I th- and I don't know if this is a clear thought, but I don't know what is the biggest pain or hurt to people. If it's actual war, opposition, or just, I don't care. Mm. Like what, what is What is worst? And you know, we don't, what happens a lot in our culture is we've, we've grown so much. We're so different than we used to be, mm. you know? And I'm, I'm really hot on this thing right now with the racial, tensions that that you perceive in it even in a story in Georgia or something like that. And and it's not like it was cuz I was alive in the in the late 60s early 70s and there was way more kind of seemingly obviously polarized things but what is louder than ever is indifference. And I wonder what what's more hurtful is it that there couldn't be a, a tug of war like opposing Positions about this issue or just I don't really care. It's not me And I just don't know to me the love of the love of Christ compels me to jump into care
1: Mm.
0: And and there's no way to love someone the way the Bible calls us to love them unless we can Love them as we love ourselves and and I'm concerned about everything that bothers me So the indifference is what is almost the biggest insult Mm. like you're silent and you don't care
2: Yeah, I think about something that leads to indifference, which would be my own supremacy, meaning my own preference or perspective or ideology sets the precedent for the entire population. So because of my supremacy, of my point of view, and you made this last week, I can now be indifferent to what this is going in. So I can take an Abed Arbery situation, and because of the supremacy of my perspective or my position, I can dismiss it, diminish it. You bet. I can, and I can diminish it. I don't have to enter in,
1: which is the very contrast of dying. Like it's the opposite. It's the elevating rather than the dying. Just as we wrap this up, this power um, of this statement of his desire for us to be one—that the world may know that this is wildly evangelistic. It's declarative that when we function in oneness across all kinds of diverse lines, whether they be economic, ethnic, you mentioned denominational, when we function in relational unity with each other, there is this massive declaration under the Christ we lift up that the world goes, the world knows. I mean, it's said in John 13, it's said here explicitly in John 17, John 13 around Um, sacrificial love here, unity, those things are identical realities. Um, This prayer that Jesus is so passionate that the world would know that he's Lord.
0: I think about when Jesus walked the earth, how did the world know he was Lord? Miracles. Hmm. He he would heal people with leprous skin. He would make Lame people walk, he would would conjure wine at a wedding, he would provide fish and loaves for hungry people, he would do miracles and everyone would go, at least us. Undeniable, God is amongst us. Here he suggests there's another miracle and the miracle is unity. Right? It's it's a visible miracle that only God can take people from all stripes and creeds and put them together so that the world would know. It's it's undeniable. I don't think we appreciate the miracle of unity, but it's how the world will know. Just like they saw power in Jesus, they see power in Jesus and us by loving each other.
2: There's a book that the three of us are reading about the gentleness and the humility and in the first couple chapters he talks about... Tell people the title. Well, gentle and, gentle and lowly. lowly, the Heart of Christ, yeah. by Dane um, Ortlund. Yeah. And there's a part in those early sections where he's talking about the miracles and how they weren't necessarily miracles. I mean, they were miracles, but what he was doing is he was um, making things how they were always meant to be. Yeah. Like, I forget exactly how he says it, but, he, but, he, but, he, but humans are now experiencing life the way that it was so meant good. to be. So when you ask the question, what grieves you as a father when there is dissension and division? In my own home with my own kids, I was like, you're not, and you would you would say this of your boys too, and you would say this of your kids, you're not experiencing the full benefit and joy of what this family can be and what this family should be. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus makes this point, when Paul again implores his people, he's saying, I want you to enjoy and I want you to um, experience everything that being my son or daughter is to be. Yes, yes. So good. I had a
0: quote before you go on because it, well, it lines up yep. perfectly yep. with this. It's Francis Schaeffer said this about the, the outcome of unity um, as Jesus prayed here. He said, when everything is going well and we're all standing around in a nice little circle, there's not much to be seen by the world. But when we come to the place where there is a real difference and we exhibit uncompromised principles, but at the same time, observable love, then there's something that the world can see, something they can use to judge that these really are Christians and that Jesus was indeed, indeed sent by the Father. That just moved me.
1: I love that. As we come to the end of our time together, we focus ourselves as we do every time we gather together upon the cross, This reality of glory that Jesus prays that the Father would give us the glory that he has had with the Father is focused upon the cross. This reality that his body would be pulverized on our behalf and that his blood would be shed for the forgiveness of our sin that divides us from God and from each other. So as we have the elements right now, we remember the body of Christ given for us. Let us eat in remembrance of him. We remember Christ's blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Let us drink in remembrance of him. Let's pray. Father, we pray right now along with Jesus that we would be one. Just as Christ is one with the Father and the Father is one with Christ, we pray that we would be one with you, God, and one with one another. We focus ourselves upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.